Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Aaron. And this is Chris. And today we're going to be talking about a movie that I haven't seen yet, but will have seen by the time this episode is... What? Oh, nothing. I'm just groaning at the fact that you hadn't seen it yet. Hey, hey, you know, there's a movie that you haven't seen yet that I feel is a greater shame. We'll get to it. We'll get... Yeah. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted, I was going to say we are here to talk about the movie... Better Off Dead, 1985, starring John Cusack, and surprisingly mm-hmm. not his sister as well. Now, that is kind of weird. This must be the only film where that happens. It is getting on that season, right? Because this is a Christmas movie. This is a holiday movie. I didn't even know that. It's a holiday yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So it takes, break, but it takes place during wintertime, Christmas time. It was released in it- October of 85, so... Well, all right. Just that kind time. of works out, actually. Yeah, totally. That's very seasonal. This is perfect. So, I, unlike a lot, a lot of movies, I don't know that you necessarily would have been exposed too much to this movie. Because I don't... This is a great movie. I don't know that this is so much of a classic. Uh, I love it. It's a classic for me, right? Sure. But have you... Do you know anything about this movie at all? Had you heard... Have you heard of this movie? I heard of it, of course. Um, it is mentioned in the book Ready Player One. Right, right. Do you remember the exact reference? I do not, actually. I mean, I, I remember it in the book. I just don't remember exactly where it was mentioned. Yeah, I had to actually look it up, too, because surprisingly, after all the probably close to 100 times I've read this book, you'd think I'd remember, but it's the scene where he is realizing that he's in the middle of the flick sync for War Games, and mm-hmm. he's saying how he, without even knowing it, he had overprepared and that he knew war games even better than he knew real genius or better off dead. Wow. Okay. So it basically saying, you know, throw out, I know this movie very well, but I know this one even better. Exactly. So that's, that's back in chapter 11 for those who are keeping score. So other than this, though, other than the, the book, how, had you heard of this movie at all? Oh, of course. I, I'm 99% certain that I've heard of this movie before this book even came out. So it was certainly something that I had some awareness of, but just, I don't know how I never saw it. I've seen probably every other John Cusack movie. So I guess I'm excited to finally, finally get to see what this movie is all about. Okay. Okay. So uh, I think you're going to do, do you want to click a quick, a quick overview? Do you want what the trailer would give you? Uh, you're going to tell me what the trailer is, or are we going to watch no, it? No, no, I'm just going to like, No, no, we're not going to watch the trailer together. You want me to watch it now? No, no, not now. I was just, I was just going to tell you. Do you want me to give you like an overview of the movie? Oh, you, yes, please. You know, like a, a, give me the a give brief me the skimming. Cri- give me the Chris uh, adapted version of the movie. But no spoilers. All right, so you have no spoilers. No spoilers. I'm only going to give you what you would get out of the out of the trailer. Out of the trailer. Call it the book sleeve. The books. Yes, exactly. So we're talking about uh, Greendale, California, a high school student named Lane Meyer, played by John Cusack, and he is obsessed with his girlfriend, and she ends up breaking up with him. Like they do. And this is considered a dark comedy because it does kind of deal with the fact that he considers con- considers and tries to kill himself. 
in a, in a number of different ways, if you will. I mean, not, not super seriously, but it is kind of dark in that sense. But this is him kind of, you know, taking that moment of depression and loneliness and turning it around mm-hmm. and uh, trying to win the girl back. That, that is the, the core of this movie is, you know, getting over the depression, trying to figure out how to win his girl back. Oh, so basically it's a movie from the 1980s. Yeah, basically. Right. Yes. Only it, it really actually kind of touches on suicide a bit. So, <laughs> But it's funny, but it's dark. Is it as dark as Heather's? Um, no, not as dark as Heather's, but along the same vein. Because that movie I really disliked. Hello. Say that again, that movie you what? I really disliked Heather's. Oh, well, really? Why? It was a little messed up, but we're not here to talk about that movie. Fair enough. Okay, so are you ready to get started? Yeah. Um, you get some popcorn ready to crank on the tube and hit, the, hit yeah. the play button? Got the liquid courage. Did you rewind the VHS? Oh, yeah, because you got to be kind to rewind. Yes, right. You got to get yes. Got to get it queued up. All right. Well, without further ado. I think I'm ready to watch this thing. Cool. Let's get it started, man. So if you're watching along with us, hit pause, and we'll see you after the break. Does it ever feel like everyone's got more going than you do? Oops. <laughs> that everyone is smart. So you're Al Myers, kid? Yes, I am. You look pretty stupid to me. Thank you. You say the best skier in town just ran off with your girlfriend? Even your younger brother does better than you do? And that nobody even cares? That broke up with me. Oh, that's nice. Well, you might be right. But remember one thing. I haven't even been to New York City. Nobody was ever better off dead. The truth is, I can out-ski you any day of the week. Oh, really? Yeah, you want a race, I'll take you on any day, sucker. Go that way, really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. All you need is guts. All right! Now turn! I'm gonna race, I'm gonna lose, and I'm gonna die in that order. Go! And you'll never doubt yourself again. He's skiing on one ski! Better off dead. And that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. An abnormal look at a normal teenager. And what did you think? I You loved it. You that... loved it. I can hear it in your voice. You thought it was awesome. I thought it was a little weird. <laughs> Weirder at times. There were parts that I was like, okay, this is your... The makings of a classic 80s teen comedy. Right. And there were other points where it was just like, what were the writers smoking? I mean, it went from dark to really dark to comedy. It was a bit of a weird roller coaster ride of emotion. Well, I don't, th- I don't think there's any question. When you start off with, with the movie... And it is this sort of cartoon narration through the opening credits. Yeah, that was immediately a little off-putting. It was like, what is this? Is this animation? Live action? Yeah, yeah, okay. 
it was also weird watching the opening credits, right? And the the director and writer is Savage Steve Holland. Yeah. Like, is that like a weird nickname? You know what, dude? On IMDb, it, it says the same thing. Savage Steve Holland is the writer and the director. I, I don't even think that's like something where they were like being goofy with the credits because they've got that in IMDb. Like that's the official writer-director name. So I have no idea. That sounds like a wrestler name. Yeah, like uh, that's that's what I thought as well. It was just this weird, like, is that a joke? But I mean, you know, you st- when you start the movie and it is him turning over in his bed to the alarm going off and he's got a pillow with with his a, faith, a woman's face on it and then he goes into his closet and all of the hangers have the, oh, you get you get so real weird. quickly real quickly you roll into the fact that he is obsessed with his girlfriend and there's kind of this back and forth cut between his parents talking about him having this girlfriend and everything's you know should be okay and and that and then him, you know, like going and and putting on clothes, and her she's on the hangers, and her face is like everywhere. And so you can't really mistake this as not being anything but like a comedy, even if you know going in that this is about somebody who obsesses over a gal and wants to kill himself. It's so over the top, like there's just no question as to how obsessed he is. And so you look at that, and you go, okay, I'm going to laugh at this. Yeah, and I'll admit, there were parts that I thought were funny and I did laugh at. And there were other parts I was just like, what the F is this? Okay, so what parts did you find funny? What did you enjoy about the movie? Uh, Focus on the good. I liked, I thought some of the interactions with that wacky friend of his, whose name is escaping me right now. Charles Demar. Charles Demar, yeah. So his friend, right? The dude that that sniffing the the sniffing snow off the top of his hat. Yeah. So, the, um, <laughs> so the interactions with his friend Charles Demar, I thought he had some pretty good lines, like, like head down the mountain, go straight, and if you see something in your way, turn. turn. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that was funny. Shit, like that's really well written. Like it's kind of like real no duh stuff. Or, or, or where it, it, I love the fact that this is such such a shitty town. That you can't even get real drugs. Greendale is a bodaciously small town, Lane. It's a fly speck on the map. A rest stop on the way to a ski slope. I can't even get real drugs here. Here's a dude who wants to be a drug user. And he, he's sniffing snow. He's making lines of <laughs> snow on his hat and snorting it. And he's moving his right arm. He says, I can't move my arm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just just this portrayal of how crappy this little town is. Like if if there was ever like anybody that stole really stole the movie, it's his character. Cuz cuz you yeah. know it's in, that this is just nuts. Like they're at the dance and everyone's kind of depressed and uh the main dude who's who stole his girlfriend, Roy, Roy Stalin. And he just starts busting up laughing, like just gut laughing as hard as he can at a really bad joke that the dude made. But the gist is he's just going over the top with it. So, okay, go on. What else did you love about this movie? I know you've got a huge list. Uh, I, Yeah. Some of the parts with the paper boy and the $2 thing. That, that, that had its moments. 
I, I like that. I thought the younger brother had some good moments, like the, the book that he was reading, like how to pick up trashy women, and then scenes down the road, he's actually got a room full of trashy women. Uh, so like they, they did a good job of following through on those things. That was kind of fun. But there were also some things that uh, were just a little bit weird. And uh, the whole thing with those two guys in the car with the microphone and the constant like drag racing thing, that was weird. Truly a sight to be The man beat the once great champ. Now a study in mumpishness. No longer the victory-hungry stallion we've raced so many times before, but a pathetic, washed-out, aged ex-champion. All right, let's go! Right. And then he kept on bumping into the guy behind him. It was the same guy both times. Yeah, okay, so that's a bit of a gag. And that's what it's meant to be a gag. And I yeah. think, like... The problem with making a good movie is how do you make something that stands the test of time and doesn't age itself? Like you could go and, and watch a movie and is are there references there that you might not get? Now, so, for example, you've got the, the dudes, the Asian guys pull up in their car. One of them doesn't speak English. The other one learns English from Howard Cosell watching Wide World of Sports. Now, if you You've never seen Howard Cosell, and you've never watched Wide World of Sports. You're not really going to get that joke. You might go, oh, well, he's just talking in a weird accent. But that's how Howard Cosell used to talk. So that's that's kind of like an in-reference there. And he even goes to kind of sort of break the fourth wall. He doesn't break the fourth wall. He actually is describing it to Monique at the time when when he's talking about them. So you we we act as the part of Monique being introduced to these characters in this particular way. But if you don't understand Wild World of Sports, if you don't understand who Howard Cosell is, then this is just not a funny joke. Did you recognize who that guy was? The actor who was doing the Howard Cosell accent? Uh Isukri? I don't I don't know what his name is, but what else he was in. Let's see here. Isukri, let me uh what else was he in? I don't know. What else was he in? He was in Karate Kid 2. I, holy shit. No, I did not know that, dude. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That so was, I take it he was like. Chosen. He was like the main antagonist. Yeah. He was the one who really wanted to kick his, um, Daniel Son's ass. God. Gotcha. He was chosen. It was, it was Sato's nephew. Ah. You karate student, huh? Yeah. Oh, welcome to Okinawa. Thanks. I hope your stay here is a pleasant one. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. I can definitely see that now in his picture. That's a trip. A lot of these characters were like Cora. Like, you saw them in a lot of stuff. So, Charles DeMar, you saw that that's played by Curtis Armstrong. And he went on to do a ton of stuff. Like, he was, uh, he was Booger in Revenge Nerds, of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. And he was in... In risky business, right, 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 and a lot of things. And like the thing is, like he's playing that same character pretty much, isn't he? Yeah, he has a look sort about of. him. Yeah, that, he has a look about. It's just like, hey, you just be, you just do you. 
Now, that's crappy to say because he's an actor, right? He wants to be known as somebody who can maybe have some dimension or some width. Uh, but I think like his most memorable characters were were kind of along the same vein that that he is in these movies. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. Well, I I mean, if you if you look at his experience in film, his first movie apparently was Risky Business. Then went on to Revenge of the Nerds. Then in Better Off Dead, some movie named Bad Medicine, some other weird movie called The Clan of the Cave Bear, and then he was in One Crazy Summer. So he's actually in a lot of good 80s movies or memorable 80s movies. Right, right. So, you know, good for him. But anyway, back to the movie. So it, I would say, like, to summarize my opinion on this movie, it's kind of a little bit heavy in the weird spectrum for me. But, but, I think if I were to watch it again, I would enjoy it more. Why so? Uh, I think because my expectations will be different, I can kind of just look at it with that lens and just kind of know that it's a it's a little bit of a goofy movie and to just kind of sit back and kind of enjoy the little bits of humor in it. And I'll probably pick up on some things that I didn't pick up on the first time. And I don't know, I, just, I think just being more familiar with it will help mm-hmm. because I was kind of off put by some of the weirdness of it and just the weird darkness of it. Yeah. It was almost like the same reason that I don't like the movie Heathers. Heather, there was some, Heathers a little does bit of get that. pretty fucking dark. I don't, I'm not even sure. I guess that's a comedy, but I put that as uh, many shades darker than this movie. Cause uh, there was no point that I felt you could not make Heathers today. You just couldn't hmm. because they're killing their classmates Sometimes with guns. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, I see where you're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, too many assholes That's out there. That's not try being to... made today. Yeah, no. Uh, no need to encourage others in that regard. No, I, I totally get you. Yeah. Uh, I could see where that would be troublesome. Sure. Uh, that's true. Whereas, like, this movie, he's trying to kill himself and fails at it. And I think one of the best, li- <laughs> one of the best lines in the movie where I really did kind of really laugh at uh was when he gets kind of tapped off of the bridge into the trash the trash truck i'm right behind you buddy man and that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, really no. good. <laughs> Possibly a line you'd never hear in a movie today either. <laughs> yeah, but it was still good. It's, it was still pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. It's there are definitely like sort of edge edge sort of edges to certain movies that I don't think you could do today. That just wouldn't be nearly impossible. Um there are certain bits in this movie that are like that, that being one example. Uh another one would be um, Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, there's I, some things in there you could I, not pull I don't off today. Think, I don't know that you could do Blazing Saddles today. It is still a damned funny movie, but I just don't think you could do it today. So, so what didn't you like? I think the things I didn't like were those weird kind of dark spots in the movie. I thought some of the some of the jokes are like about like the food the mother cooks. That was just kind of weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a that was a little too much off the rails for me. But it's 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 over the edge on everything. Like it over accentuates. She's not just a bad cook. The food fucking crawls off the plate. He's not just kind of obsessed with his girlfriend. He's got a picture of her on everything. Yeah. You know, his brother isn't just better than him. He's building a space shuttle. He gets a magazine about how to pick up trashy women, and he picks up a dozen trashy women in his party in his in his bedroom. Everything in his world is like this this level of extreme. And I think like when you're in like a teenage relationship or shit, you're just living as a teenager, everything's fucking over the top. Everything is hormonally amped up to ten. And to a kid, at that age or a teenager at that age, life is kind of like that. Like mom's mom's food wasn't bad. It was so freaking bad that it crawled off the plate. You know, or you're being compared to, you know, this complete genius. Why can't you be more like your brother or some shit like that, right? Like like this this kind of like I you could I would wonder like if you watched this movie from the outside not from the perspective of Lane, but like from an outside perspective. It'd probably be a very normal movie. But because it's coming from the perspective of this teenager, everything is just accentuated. And that's just kind of the point. Everything is blown up. Like like when he's drawing the cartoons of the monster eating yeah, yeah, eating yeah. the guy that's with his girl and she says, Why'd you do that? You know, and and then he like gets up and He's, he, you know, throws the paper and crumples it, and just every little crumple is, like, magnified by a hundred times in sound while everyone's looking at him. And that's that's long, that's being a fucking teenager. So you're saying that this movie is trying to capture the essence of what it's like to be a teen, and it's portraying everything in the film from that perspective so everything's magnified to the nth degree yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting at so this idea where you break up with your girlfriend you're not just depressed you're thinking about killing yourself you know or and all the different ways that you can i don't think any particular way of him trying to kill himself really ever seemed dark to me like you know the moment on the bridge where he pats where charles demar pats laying on the back and then it causes him to tumble off of the bridge, especially like in that moment where he maybe is kind of deciding not to. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, shit, what the – oh, okay, trash. Got it. Yeah, and well, the same thing happens when he's trying to hang himself in his garage. He's like, wait a minute. I haven't even been to New York City. And then his mom's <laughs> vacuuming and opens the door. Yeah, it's, or, or when he goes to like burn himself, light himself on fire, he like sees – he has the magazine in his hand and he sees – you know, somebody lit themselves on fire in Tibet or China or somewhere in there. And he's like, okay, that's a good idea. So he goes out and finds a can of gasoline. Instead, he finds like this big jug of pink primer, which is just, you know, the worst color for gasoline. You know, you know that's just flammable shit right there. And then the neighbor's mom comes over and ends up drinking it and thinking it's moonshine and blows her face off. You know, shit uh, like that, yeah. right? Talk talk about a caricature. Uh, I know. I, it's, it's awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Okay, so uh, for me, this is a nostalgic movie. This is like... This isn't exactly a Christmas movie, but this is like a post-Thanksgiving movie. I would watch yeah, this. I can see that. I would watch this instead of the Super Bowl, right? It's a wintertime movie for sure. I mean, the whole skiing thing, which I that I think that's probably the the weirdest part about it is that the way they measure the size of their dicks is by skiing down a mountain, right? Which for people that live in a small little town, right by a K twelve slope mountain. That they can very easily get to on a whim? It would seem. Just like in the snap of a finger from one scene to another, boom, you're there. You know? I mean, like the scenes that when they're up on the mountain, it seems like they're on Mount Everest, and then they're like in this small town. It's just like, it is weird. <laughs> uh, it's the whole thing's just, like I said, just amped, just amped over. Because I think it's just a purpose, perfect portrayal of if you saw the world through a, a teenager's eyes and, and the hormones of a teenager are like like dropping acid. Everything is just brighter and crazier and way more drama and the motions are just flying out the door. Uh, another joke that I really liked was the uh, the girl who's dating the entire football team or basketball team or whatever. <laughs> she's not dating one of them. She's dating the entire team. <laughs> and they're all in on it and they're fine. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's so extreme because you got the one girl that's dating maybe well, – you never know who she's dating, but it's just blown out of proportion. She's dating the entire team. Yeah, so I guess if your thesis is that this is really just – you know, you're looking at it through his eyes and that he's magnifying things because that's what you do when you're a kid, then yeah, I can, I can see where it kind of comes together a little bit more appropriately. So – I'm with you on that one. The place where it felt the most choppy to me is, so he likes to draw. And I think there's maybe one or two occasions where he's drawing. So there's the scene when he's in the lunchroom and he's drawing the monster and he's just kind of fantasizing the monster eating, right? I think there was one other instance where he was drawing. And then, of course, you've got the whole intro that's the drawing. So you've got this drawing shtick. But the movie doesn't really embrace that. So it's not a movie about him getting lost in his drawings. But for some reason, they just really focus in on these moments, this one or two moments where he's drawing. And you're like, that's that's really cool. But they do it so infrequently that it just feels like weird, like very disconnected. It's like normal, normal, well, relatively normal. It's, you know, movies running along. And then you've got this moment where there's some animation. And you're like, the fuck is going on here and then you're like okay eh, he's fantasizing over some pictures he's drawing dancing hamburger and uh oh that well and that's another thing is and then you get to him you know fantasizing again and it's the the hamburgers come alive and they're 
the, the French fries are jumping into the pool of oil and they're all singing and it's a freaking music video. So that's just so left field for me. I get the idea here that they wanted to fantasize something, but you're kind of like, okay, look, if you're going to do stop motion animation and you've got this five minute section, that's like a music video with stop motion animation. Is that the movie? And if it's not, don't just give me five minutes of that because either I like it and I want more or I really don't like it and you just blew a hole in the middle of the movie. You know, you see what I'm getting at? It's just, it felt like they were trying to compensate with these ideas and they needed a way to approach it. Now the director's like, we need a way to show that he's fantasizing about his his uh, his ex-girlfriend and something will happen that'll produce a moment of embarrassment. And it's like, well, he could be drawing. Oh, okay, so we'll use some, like, pin animation and, and the picture will talk to him and he'll yell at the picture. It, you can imagine this conversation where they're like, how are we going to approach this situation? And then they use a spackle that is a type of media that is so unusual to this movie that that's how they're going to handle it. And the hamburger is exactly that. Rather than it... Everybody wants some. I want some too. But I'm not sure that I wanted the stop motion animation. Because once we hit that part, I was like, did we change gears here? What just happened? Yeah. And, and the rest of the movie is so very different than those those particular little moments. That it's just it kind of, I got a little disjointed. That's, it sounds dumb. I got disjointed, but it's just up to. Yeah, no, uh, it, it hit me strange. Like, like that's too weird. Like you went well beyond that line. Yeah, like the whole Doctor Frankenstein kind of thing, and it's alive and lightning or whatever, and it was. I could have just done without all that. Yeah. What was the gain? Maybe to get that song in there? I, I don't know. But you're right. Like, did that add anything to the movie? I mean, you could have cut that entire part out. You knew that he was doing patties. You knew he didn't want to be there. There are scenes where he's trying to, you know, where he, he serves food out. And then, you know, he trips and falls and he embarrasses himself in front of his ex-girlfriend. We didn't need that. And then he's got that moment where he brings... um where he brings Monique and tries to sort of romance her, right? Yeah. But you could have totally cut out the little music video there, and it wouldn't have made a difference in the movie at all. So little things like that. Like, I I could have done without that, too. Like, that was the one thing that cheesed me out the most about the movie. Yeah. The relationship between him and Monique was pretty darn characteristically awkward. Initially? It just, yeah. Yeah. Suddenly she started to like fill in all these gaps that were like, oh, she can speak English. She knows how to put fix cars and turns this junker into a pretty kick-ass looking, uh, what was he driving, a Camaro? or mm-hmm. It was a Camaro, Camaro right? right? Right. And like, it looks fucking awesome. It looks like a fucking cool car. Yeah. And she also knows how to ski. It's like, okay, that's nice and convenient. She's from France. Yeah, but... <laughs> You, you did feel bad for her dealing with the uh, Ricky character. the mother and that fat kid and <laughs> that fat kid. How, Come on, gotta yeah, it's, it's Ricky, it's Ricky, Ricky. Yeah, that is the perfect fat kid name. Is Ricky? Sorry, all you guys that are named Ricky, but 
<laughs> you, what? You just have... You... <laughs> it feels like weight prejudice. <laughs> anyway, back to my point. You, you did feel bad for her because she gets stuck with this family and her guardian while she's an exchange student is basically trying to pimp her off to her son. Yeah. Yeah, trying to press this sort of international language of love. And 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 it's, you know, it I get it. Like the fact that she doesn't speak English, you're like, "Oh, okay." And that evolves. Like it, I don't think it's like a point of convenience in the story. I think like it makes sense that she would go from not speaking English to the realization here that she's hiding the fact that she speaks great English but does not want to speak English to this family. Yeah, uh, and you and you understand, and that and that makes it believable because that sets up sort of this trust bridge with the lane with Lane Lane's character, and her job is to kind of you know get him out of his rut. Kind of in the movie, that's kind of her position as the one that gets him out of his rut. So I'll be honest with you, like I was absolutely crushing on on Monique as a character when I first saw this movie. I can see that absolutely. Like I thought she was just. More so than Beth, I think. Oh God, yes. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was kind of like that's ugh, no, but and that, no, that's not, not being mean here, but you know, the main character I was kind of like did not find that attractive at all. But the Monique character I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I mean, this has like a, a good lineup of your typical '80s stuff, uh, particularly as far as comedies. Oh, go. without question. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got your montage scene. With a little Howard Jones while they're repairing the car, right? And, and you know, working on it and like to get to know you well. And then taking it off to drive, that kind of thing. Like to get to know you well was quoted in the book. I know. Exactly. In my mind, it's probably one of the, one of the better, if not one of the best 80s movies for me. Which was not well received initially. I know like Siskel and Ebert destroyed it. I think they gave it two thumbs down. And I think it just kind of like people started to receive it a little bit better moving forward. Siskel and Ebert were never really big on campy movies. I mean, you know, they liked some of the artistic shit. I don't know that they ever really rated campy movies high anyhow. I think we need to go to the tomato meter. All right. To the tomato meter. So, I don't know if you've looked at it yet, but if you had to guess where it ranks, what would you do? Um, I've not yet looked at it. So, if I had to guess, uh, I would say that it is fresh in the mid-70s. Okay. I think that the people would have ranked it a little bit higher than the professional raters, uh, but I think it would have been close. I would agree with that. I I think it's, yeah, I would say that it's probably going to be in the same category as like other cult classics mm-hmm. so it's going to rank higher amongst the people and less so the professional reviewers i would say because uh, i'm going to guess that rotten tomatoes is kind of more modern reviews as opposed to reviews from the day mm-hmm. i'm going to guess that it's probably somewhere in the upper 60s to mid 70s on the tomato meter and i would say it's at least I don't think it would be in like the 90s on like the regular people rating, but I could see it being in like the 80s for regular people. Wow, that's pretty good. Actually, I just looked it up. Tomato Meter has it at 
At how much? 77. And the audience score is 87. All right. Yeah, so, that, that is, I think that makes sense. Like yeah. that would be what I would expect from people. Like based on like how often we hear people say like our listeners on Facebook and how much they like it. I would see it being, I, I'm surprised it's that close to 90, but I would expect maybe like lower 80s, but. Hey, well, whatever. you're pretty close, man. You're within points there of both of those, so that's that's I, that's yeah, nearly spot on. I was leaning on. more towards the upper 60s, not upper 70s, like it is. But pretty damn close. Yeah, pretty damn close. I mean, my personal rating would have been a little bit lower at first, and I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen when I watch it again and see if my opinion of it changes. I think it will. I, I honestly think that I will enjoy it more the next time. Yeah, I've seen it a number of times. Like the first time is just kind of a ride, and there it kind of jerks you around a bit if you're not like the the bit with the hamburger. It's just kind of like okay, I have to admit that I I have to think that some people just rage quitted the movie at that point. Or like okay, this is just gone to that level of just absurd, too fucking far gone. Yeah, Uh, but if you stick it out. In fact, when I when I watch this movie again, I fast forward through the burger part. But I would probably have to do the same. I think that I think that alone would make it a much better experience for me. I, I gotta wonder if they just wanted to incorporate that song into the movie. I I think sometimes I feel like movies will exhibit a new technology because they can. It's kind of like when 3D movies were kind of becoming all the rage and they would basically make the 3D a character of the movie. So you would, there'd be scenes that kind of take it to an extreme level that is just not very good directing. Yeah. And and, and I think maybe like this type of incorporation of the claymation into film, maybe that was just, just gotten a lot better. So they're like, how do we use this? I don't know. Well, that's just it. I don't think I. I don't think it was a claymation thing because claymation had been around for quite a while there. So I don't. I don't even know if that's necessarily. So then, what was it then? I. I think that they had a soundtrack that they were trying to make, and they wanted to sell a lot of a lot of soundtrack albums. I. I honestly think that they were like, we want to have some really cool, popular songs, and uh, we need to fit this song in there. So uh, how are we going to fit? this kind of absurdly wild song in this movie. And somebody was like, I know what we'll do. We'll have them fantasizing. And then the hamburgers will be like singing the music. Everybody wants some. And and then that'll and make the, it. And the French fries are, you know, swaying back and forth into the, into the oil bath. Yeah. So I, I think they, I, I, if I had to guess, it would be that, that they had to pad the soundtrack and they wanted to incorporate all the songs into the movie and they just try to shoehorn this song into a scene. And that's that's unfortunate if that's the reason why. Well, does it seem like that, that would be like rational thing that would, does that seem like that could have been the reason? It's a very plausible thing that they may have, they may have done it that way, but it was just a very unfortunate addition to this movie. And I think if you take that out, it instantly gets better. Yep. I would agree. By more than just a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that to me was super cringeworthy. Super cringeworthy. But everything else I just loved about this movie. It just had that sort of sarcasm. 
I truly think that I will enjoy it the, the next time a lot more. I think my appreciation will increase of certain things and I will gain new appreciations of other parts. And I'm not not looking forward to watching it again, but I'll, I'll wait a little bit of a little while. Does that make sense? Okay, so yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's wrap it back to the book. So we've got the instance of referencing Howard Jones' song, I'd Like to Get You Know You Well, within the book. Mm-hmm. What, what are the references do we have to this movie within the book? Well, I mean, I would just say that, I mean, Parzival is Lane, and he's super obsessed with Artemis. I mean, he downloads the pictures from her blog and keeps them on his hard drive. I mean, that's kind of what he's doing in the beginning of this movie is you can see all the pictures of Beth all over his room and in his closet and he's super obsessed and she dumps him and... And then he thinks about killing himself? Like throwing himself off of a high place? Yeah. So there's all these parallels (laughs) There are a it's, few parallels there. You're right. That's fucking creepy. I, so, I don't know if there was necessarily like I know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna copy parts of Better Off Dead and that's how we're gonna you know work the book out. But it does no, kind of have I, that extreme. I don't think it was a, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily a, a conscious choice to say I'm gonna mirror this movie. I think it's just more about ingrained behavior of teenagers, right? Like you were saying before, it's to be obsessed over everything. And, you know, yet you're heartbroken and, like, there's no worse feeling in the world. You've ju- you've been crushed and you can't imagine why there's any reason to go on. I think maybe this reinforced a lot of those things, perhaps in Ernest Klein's mind when he was writing this or before he was writing this and then like when he was trying to draw upon inspiration like that's where his his brain went yeah like, I totally get that oh yeah there was definitely a a sort of lane comparison for example the, the sort of obsession of him you know leaving messages after they after she broke it off with him him going outside of her her house and holding the stereo over his head uh, you know, just that's the, from another John Cusack movie. Yeah, it was, but it's it's still sort of this pattern of obsessiveness, right? Yeah. That even though she has said back the fuck off, or or kind of base, you know, cut him off from her, that he's just this sort of obsessive compulsive suffering, and, and of course, getting to that place where in the book where it's much darker, but where he talks about you know when when everything ends in the game when when IOI ends up finding the egg that he'd, you know, go upstairs and flop himself off the top of the building. So this this concept of not having anything left to live for because the girl of your dreams has left you and there is no egg left to pursue now. So his two obsessions in the moment are gone. You know, what is life after that? And I say that with tongue in cheek because you should never come to that place where your brain sort of circles around one or two things and without it, you're, you're toast. Right. I mean, it's just, it's that obsessive compulsive focusing in at that age. And again, I don't know that he necessarily is making a direct comparison here, but we do know that Ernest Klein had seen this movie. At least I believe that he has. 
because uh, he did have a little bit of well, an he's homage. He's seen the movie. Yeah, he had a little he's bit of definitely. an homage reference. He has this mirrored extreme obsessiveness that is very similar to Lane in this movie. So I can totally see that. It's interesting that you read Lane and Better Off Dead as being a, a mirror to Parzival with a, with a number of similar comparisons. That's how I read it. Well, fantastic. So if you had to rate this movie yourself, where would you stick it? And like one to ten. What scale are we rating on here? One to ten. Ten being one to ten. Awesome. And I I don't even know what awesome is necessarily, but let's say, you know, nineteen eighty five comedy, maybe awesome is like Ghostbusters. I would probably give it like a six and a half. All right. For my initial viewing. I reserve the right to update that score upon my next viewing. Okay. Okay, so I'm excited to see if it if it ups it. For me, I'd put it at I put it at a solid eight. This is a holiday movie for me. Like a lot of people have Elf and a number of other holiday movies for Ugh. them. For me, I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, for me, Better Off Dead, Die Hard. Like I have a lineup of Christmas movies. This for me is a Christmas movie. This is something that I would, you know, put on the television and and crank up the fireplace uh, and you know, have a holiday dinner with this playing in the background. Uh, you know, now that I think okay. about it, that is kind of weird. But, you know, a lot of holiday movies actually have some dark themes, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, this isn't the only one. Die Hard is, uh, I mean, people die. Well. Hard. I, <laughs> I I think some people would argue that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I would argue to death They're that wrong. it is. I, would, I agree. I would, I would argue to the extreme that this is that that is a Christmas movie, but uh, there are other movies that are more traditionally considered a Christmas movie that have some seriously dark themes. What was that? What was the one where the dude's gonna like jump off the bridge because he lost a bunch of money and the town hates him or some shit like that? Oh, isn't that like uh, it's a Wonderful Life or oh, some shit? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. the angel comes to stop him. That's fucking dark, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I feel like I'm rationalizing the suicidal theme to this movie by comparing it to another holiday movie that has suicidal themes. So just before uh, before we move forward, he says he probably knew war games even better than he knew Real Genius or Better Off Dead. So that that implies that he knows Better Off Dead very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that he'd seen it quite a bit, and I love that. This, that I understand. Like this movie, I get from the '80s because it's just. If he knows that movie that well, then his behavior in the book is completely understood. Yep. You don't have to like his behavior, but you can understand it. Yeah. Yeah. You you get that there's a model for that kind of behavior. Like, that that would seem rational. If you're using movies as your model for how to respond in the world, and we've talked about this before, how media kind of acts as a model for how we should behave or how we should act, which is why some of Harrison Ford's movies are a bit shady. Hmm. The, the, if, if, if you take Better Off Dead as, as a model for how to behave when a girl breaks up with you, then suicidal thoughts all of a sudden seem reasonable because that's the model, yeah. that you should be that depressed. If you're feeling that depressed, maybe that's where your head should go, that kind of thing, which I might add. <laughs> Not where your head should go, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if if that's the case, I can totally see how that would evolve in the book and how that would again 
kind of go in sort of lockstep for certain beats with uh, Parzival's character. Anyhow, how do you how do you want to wrap this one up? I just want to say that I'm glad I've seen the movie. I think, in in my mind's eye, it will get better with a little bit more viewing. And this was absolutely not a, the, the same reaction that I got towards other movies that we wish we hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so you know, I'm encouraged. I will watch it again. I'll watch it again. All right. Let's send it out. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And this has been another episode of Get to the Good Part. And we'll catch you for that next movie. See you. this sort of again this sort of mirroring extremity a mirroring extremity he's got two arms not just one and they look the same no i'm kidding